Hello, and welcome to the podcast devoted to helping you win the race Christ has marked out for you. In this month's series on fatherhood, we looked last week at God as the model father who warns us about the destructive power of our words to tear down one another's self-esteem, but who also exemplifies the opposite, using words to build up. When God the Father speaks audibly to God the Son in the New Testament, two out of the three times his words praise his Son, establishing a pattern to be followed by all dads. This week we again look to God, the ultimate great dad, and dig into another profound characteristic of his fatherly love. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. Thanks for joining us today for Season 2, Episode number 33 of Mission Focus Men for Christ. My name is Gary Yeagle, and this is the second episode in our four-part series for June, Lord, Help Me Be a Great Dad. Over the years, as I have thought about seeking to be a great dad to my five now-grown kids, there's one verse of Scripture that always comes to mind. It's God's statement to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, In weakness, my power is shown the more completely. Boy, have I claimed this verse over the years, especially since, of all things, God puts dads, and not moms, in charge of the discipline and training of the kids. Can you believe that? But the family code sections of Ephesians and Colossians don't make mistakes. They address wives, then husbands, then children, commanding them to obey their parents. So we might expect the next group Paul addresses to be the parents, but it is not. Well, how about the mothers? Nope. When it comes to household management and training the children, Paul instead addresses fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This pattern of fatherly responsibility was revealed in God's comments about Abraham, the father of the Christian faith, remember, in Genesis 18. God said of Abraham, I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Of course, Sarah, as all wives are, was the right-hand woman that Abraham needed in order to get discipline right with their kids. So absolutely, we need to be joined at the hip to our wives as parents, learning from what they see that we don't, gaining their wisdom, being on the same page, and supporting each other in our parenting tasks. But God assigns responsibility for the discipline of children in the household of faith to fathers. At times, our wife's godly nature will resist us if we don't honor her as a full partner and listen very carefully to her insights about the kids. At times, her sinful nature also will cause her to resist our leadership in training the kids. But in the long run, a wife gets worn down when she has to carry too much weight for the training of the children. Over the long haul, I want to tell you, our wives will love us and respect us more for stepping up and carrying the weight of this responsibility for training the kids, which allows her to flourish in the role God designed for her to be the perfect assistant and ally that all husbands need. 
But if God has assigned us to lead in the training of the children, we need to know what it is we're doing. So let's examine God the Father as a disciplinarian. Let's look at Hebrews 12, verses 5 and following. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? The author to the Hebrews is here quoting Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Both of these biblical texts appeal to a commonly understood truth in their culture. Fathers who love their children discipline them. I'm not sure this is a truth that our culture totally believes. We're often told that loving a child means accepting his or her behavior instead of correcting it. For example, if a daughter thinks she's a boy, love means accepting her destructive gender dysphoria. And even the moderating, more realistic views of others, I think, are mistaken when they say a child needs both love and discipline. I appreciate this moderating sentiment, but to think carefully, discipline is not something that balances love. It is love put into action. Those who react to firm discipline may be reacting to harsh discipline because that is what they experienced from a father or authority figure. And that too is a corruption of God's design of fatherly discipline. As we shall see, God is a compassionate disciplinarian. So let's look at some further biblical principles to guide our discipline of the children we love. Principle number one, understand that a child must have discipline to learn wisdom. Every child comes into the world a joyful bundle of self-centeredness. Children are glorious ruins, glorious because they are made in God's image and ruins because they are born with sinful natures that will destroy their lives if they don't learn to restrain their impulses. Henry Cloud and John Townsend in Boundaries with Kids write, An accurate description of children is that they are little people who are out of control of themselves and attempting to control everyone around them. They do not want to take control of themselves to adapt to the requirements of mom and dad. They want mom and dad to change the requirements. God says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. And in another verse from Proverbs 29, 15, God says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Wisdom is having our minds transformed and renewed by the Spirit of God to see life as it really is. There is nothing a child could learn that would be more valuable than wisdom. God tells us she is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches in honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. 
She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Principle number two, parents who love their children firmly discipline them. Listen to these shocking words from God. Discipline your son while there is hope and do not desire his death. Proverbs 19.18. But listen to this from Proverbs 13.24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Hatred brings harm upon another. My friend who founded the Great Dad Seminar, Bob Hamron, used to say, Staying on top of your child to discipline him faithfully and teach him that life is not all about him is tough. The only thing tougher is to live with an undisciplined child. Unless we're committed to firm discipline, it is certain that we will raise a self-centered, entitled narcissist. That is simply the biblical view of human nature. Number three, discipline's purpose is to impose short-run, safe pain in order to avoid long-run, destructive pain. Proverbs 29.1 says, A person often rebuked who becomes obstinate will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. Teaching a child to obey teaches him to say no to himself. That is, exhibit self-control, mastery over his impulses. Such self-mastery is an invaluable quality of character that will bless her entire life. I watched a friend's five-year-old racing across a parking lot, heading into a lane of traffic he was not tall enough to see. But his father did see the fast-approaching car and yelled, Billy, stop! His son immediately stopped, and it may have saved his life. George had worked for many frustrating days to train Billy to instantly obey his voice. Our kids live up to whatever standard of obedience we demand from them. The reason the Bible talks so much about the rod is its controlled use, not as an angry weapon of abuse, to apply safely a sting now to a safe part of the body to teach a child self-mastery that will save them from severe consequences in the future if they do not learn to master themselves. Principle number four, always accompany discipline with empathy. This balance is difficult to achieve, but it's essential. Typically, one spouse is better with consequences. You stepped across the line, you get the consequences we told you you would get. The other person is typically better with an empathetic heart that goes out to our child who is suffering the painful consequences of his sin. God perfectly brings both together as a fatherly disciplinarian. He follows through on the consequences he had warned Adam and Eve about. But Psalm 103 reveals that he's also a father with a heart of compassion. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. In Genesis 3, God gives consequences for Adam and Eve's sin. 
But in the last verse of Genesis 3, we see his heart go out to their shameful, frightening, disorienting feeling of being naked. We read, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. This verse is, of course, loaded with theological significance because it is the first time that blood was shed in the garden. And it was to cover the nakedness and shame they felt, prefiguring both the sacrifice of an animal's life instead of their life through the Old Testament sacrificial system and the shedding of Christ's blood to cover our sin. But it also revealed the compassion of God's heart for those ashamed and shattered by the consequences of their sin. We must do the same with our own children, always. It is true that Christ-like mercy and empathy for a child's pain can easily cause parents to rescue their kids from the painful consequences they need to experience in order to internalize God's wisdom, thus enabling their self-destructive behavior to continue. That is hating your child. But equally, just administering painful consequences without compassion for the pain our child is in caused by his disobedience is just as destructive. God enters into our pain. We must do that if our discipline is to be like God's. So what might that look like? Dad, no, Kirsten, you may not go to the party next weekend. I told you that there would be a consequence if you got back after midnight last Friday night. You were an hour late. Kirsten, I hate your stupid rules. Everybody else's parents let them stay out till one o'clock. Please, Dad, this is going to be the best party the whole year, and it's at my best friend's house. Dad, honey, I know what it's like to promise to be somewhere and get so busy that I'm late. That happens to me, too. In fact, I did that once with a client. I felt so embarrassed and ashamed, and I lost some business with that company rep because of it. And it hurts a lot to learn those lessons. I know. Ashley's your best friend, and it's painful to miss that party and learn these lessons. But you're grounded next weekend. Kirsten, I hate your so-called tough love. Dad to himself, if you only knew how close I came to giving in, this kind of love is tough on me. The fifth biblical principle of discipline is to avoid forms of discipline that provoke anger in your child. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Here are three to avoid. First, inconsistent discipline, which is one of the fastest ways to provoke anger in a child. One minute he gets away with murder, the next time he barely steps across the line and is slammed with punishment. That will provoke hot anger inside. Number two, discipline that attacks a child's character, using the words, you always do this, and you never instead of correcting his specific behavior on a specific occasion. The third type of discipline that provokes anger is discipline that is more frequent than praise, which wounds our child. As we saw last week, studies show that parents use critical words 10 times more than they use words to praise their children. Mostly correction with little or no affirmation crushes kids' spirits. Principle number six, correcting misbehavior should not be done in isolation from the rest of the training plan for the child. 
As Ephesians 6.4 continues and God addresses fathers, he says, first, bring them up. Dads are not to watch their children grow up, but to actively raise them with intentionality. Second, God says, in the discipline of the Lord. This Greek word is paideia, from which we get pediatric. It means using consequences to train children. A father's punishing authority is never to be used selfishly or reflexively. Rather, it is to be part of a training plan. And then thirdly, raise them up in the instruction of the Lord. This word for instruction means literally to put into the mind. This is having a plan of what biblical truths, godly character qualities, and characteristics of Jesus we plan to impart to our kids. I went over such a plan as a starting point for dads last year in season one, episode number 36, June 12th, entitled Raising Kids Up in the Way They Should Go. You might want to check into that. For example, the first three steps teach first attentiveness to look you in the eyes and to listen carefully to you and others. Second, obedience, that no means no, or painful consequences follow. Third, contentment, that your child is responsible for his own happiness and whining is not permitted. The seventh principle for guiding discipline from Scripture is that as a child gets older, it's vital to explain the principles behind the rules so he can become wise and self-regulate by owning the reasons for the parents' guidelines. Authors Henry Cloud and John Townsend give a good explanation of the goal of our parenting plan, helping them take ownership of more and more of their life. They write, to take ownership of your life is to ultimately take control and to know that you are accountable for your life to God and others. Truly responsible people take ownership for the following things, their feelings, attitudes, behaviors, choices, limits, talents, thoughts, desires, values, and loves. So let's put these principles together in a discipline checklist for your child. Number one, make sure he knows the rules, the boundaries, what he is and is not to do. Number two, give a warning if you see her moving toward disobedience. This also gives you a way to make sure your instruction was clear. James, what did daddy just tell you? If your toddler is learning not to touch the fireplace and is heading toward it, get down at her level, look her in the eyes and say no. If your teen is starting to whine, you can say, Jack, that sounds pretty close to whining and we don't allow whining in our house. If you continue, you are going to miss today's phone time to hang out with your friends and do some extra chores instead. Number three, give your child the right to appeal if he thinks you are wrong. Now, if this is overdone, you could end up with Philadelphia lawyers. But seriously, chiding David when he got back on his bike 20 minutes late for dinner, having stopped to help an elderly neighbor who fell walking up her driveway, is an understandable mistake. We're not omniscient as God is. At times, we need the humility to give some room to our kids to explain their viewpoint. Number four, consistently enforce the rules. A child's job is to test our boundaries. Your child has inherited a sinful nature, which makes him hate rules and limits. The parent's job is to withstand the test 
including anger, pouting, tantrums, etc. You are teaching the fear of the Lord, which means that humans don't really break God's moral laws so much as God's laws break us. One wise parent said, the trick of parenting is to hold on to your restrictions one more time than your children hold on to their demand. Number five, engage your child's conscience by asking, what did you do? Follow God's example in confronting Adam by asking him questions. Number six, correct behavior. Don't attack a child's character. As we've said, don't say you always or you never. Number seven, for serious, willful rebellion, express grief and sorrow. Grieving over sin is part of godly character. It is embodied in the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn over the devastation of sin. Looking at the floor and weeping inside over your child's rebellion, which the prophets did over Israel's sin, can bring great conviction to your child's heart. Number eight, administer punishment that fits the crime. Ideally, the consequences of wrong behavior are already determined. Number nine, after confession is made and punishment is given, do your best to prevent your child from feeling distant to you, but respect his boundaries if he is still angry at you. Number 10, tell your child that God punishes you too. He loves us so much that he wants the pain we experience from sin to teach us how destructive it is. So we turn from it to the path of life. You might pray and thank God that Jesus died for all of our sins, and he gives us the Holy Spirit to help all of us in battling our own sinful nature and temptations. And number 11, don't let this checklist tyrannize you. If you review it with your wife once for her opinion, you are way ahead of most dads. Be at peace about your leadership responsibility in your family. God has given you the perfect mate to be the necessary ally to offset your weaknesses. More to the point, the agape love you need to step up and discipline your children well can only be produced by the work of the Holy Spirit in you. When you pray, Lord, help me be a great dad, God is probably saying, I thought you'd never ask. Of course I will help you, because in your weakness, my power is shown the more completely. To summarize this episode, since fathers are assigned responsibility for the discipline and training of our children, we need some biblical principles to guide us to share with our wives. We looked at seven principles to guide us. Number one, that because of a child's sinful nature, he must have the painful experience of discipline to reinforce the principles of life. Number two, the hard work of staying on top of our children's behavior in order to be consistent with our discipline is such a foundational expression of love for them that not disciplining them firmly is considered to be hatred by God. Number three, biblical discipline imposes short-run, safe pain to prevent long-term injury. Number four, if we are to follow God's example, punishing wrong behavior with painful consequences must also include empathy for the suffering that wrong behavior causes. 
Number five, we must avoid inconsistent discipline, discipline that attacks character, and discipline that is not accompanied by words of affirmation. Number six, we must not overuse discipline, which is just one tool of three in our training toolbox. Number seven, our goal is always to help our child internalize the principles of wisdom so that more and more he takes responsibility for his own attitudes, desires, values, and even loves. The 11-point discipline checklist is available on the printed version of this podcast on my website. The show notes include a link to the fuller article and also lists the 11 parts of the checklist without explanation. For further prayerful thought, number one, would downloading the written version of these seven principles to pray over, share with your wife, or pass on to your adult children as parents to your grandchildren be valuable? See the show notes for additional questions. Today's podcast, as all podcasts are, is available in printed format on my website, forgingbonds.org. Next week, we continue our series, Lord, Help Me Be a Great Dad, with the third episode entitled, Great Dads Build Their Relationship with Their Kids. So how do we want to do that? Thanks for listening today. If this podcast has been helpful to you, you might want to tell other dads about this month's podcast series, Lord, Help Me Be a Great Dad.